We all face decisions every day. What will I wear? What will I have for lunch? What CD do I want to listen to? We all face decisions every day, and some of them affect the course of our lives. Sometimes the decisions we make are small, like the examples I just gave, but sometimes they're great. Should I get married? Should I change careers? Should I move? Should I have kids? Those are some of the big questions we face in life that we simply have to answer, questions that require a decision. So let me ask you, if you could know God's will in those situations, would it make it easier for you to make those decisions? If you knew God's will for your life, would you do it? I expect most of you would, or at least you'd say you would. I expect most of you would look at these big decisions and would say, God, if I only knew what you wanted me to do, I would do it. Well then, I have good news for you this morning, because you can know God's will for your life. Or at least you can have a pretty good idea of what it is. So that's what I want to talk with you about this morning. We're going to talk about God's will, what it is and how you can know it for your life. And I want to start by describing to you three different categories of God's will. We'll zip through the first two and then spend a bit of time on the third. And you can use the notes provided in your Sunrise Update to follow along and fill in the blanks, okay? So here are the three categories of God's will. First of all, there's what we're calling His sovereign will. God's sovereign will. This is the stuff that happens whether you want it to or not. This is God's will for the universe, for nature, for mankind as a whole. God does have a plan for everything that happens in the universe, and he's working it out behind the scenes of history. And you and I cannot disrupt or change his plans. We cannot disrupt or change his sovereign will. Most of the time, we can't even grasp it with our limited human understanding. It's beyond us. But the beautiful thing is, everything fits together perfectly in God's sovereign will. Here's an example from the Bible. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it says that it is destined that each person dies only once, and after that comes judgment. Now, no big revelation there, but you're going to die. We may not be looking forward to it, and we may try to delay it as long as we can, but we're all going to die. That's God's sovereign will. It wasn't part of his original, his original plan, but it's part of his sovereign will now. Here's another example. In the book of Genesis, chapters 6 through 9, we find the account of Noah and the ark that he built and the great flood that covered the whole earth. Now, why did the flood happen? Well, it happened because the people that God had created had rebelled against him. The earth was full of violent and corrupt people, with the exception of Noah. The Bible says that Noah was the only blameless person alive at the time, and he followed God's will and enjoyed a close relationship with him. So God decided to do something about it. He decided to start over. He instructed Noah to build a boat big enough to house two of every kind of animal along with his family. And when the boat was finished, God shut them into the boat, into the ark, and the flooding began. For 40 days it rained, and the flood waters rose until the whole earth was covered. And by the time the waters subsided and the ground dried enough for them to get out of the boat, a whole year had passed. Catch what God promised Noah in Genesis 9:11. God said, I solemnly promise never to send another flood to kill all living creatures and destroy the earth. You see, it was God's sovereign will that orchestrated the flood in the first place. And then it was his sovereign will that there would never be another like it. 
That's God's sovereign will. It happens whether we want it to or not. Well, how, how about what Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 24? In that chapter, Jesus describes a whole lot of things that are going to happen in the end times before he comes again. All of that, all that he talked about, will work out according to God's sovereign will. And we can't change it. And the truth is, God's sovereign will is always at work in ways that we don't even see. He's been orchestrating everything since the very beginning. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 tells us that. It says, God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So even if you think about gravity and entropy and friction and magnetics and the speed of light, I mean, we talk about laws of nature. But really, they're laws of God. He put them in place. They're part of his sovereign will. And so, in a way, science is the study of God's sovereign will. We're studying the laws that he has set in place. And miracles are the exceptions that he makes to those laws. But it's all up to him, up to his sovereign will. Now, contrast that with God's general will. And this is where we get to choose whether it will happen or not. God's general will. Uh, God's general will deals mostly with moral and ethical issues that are common for all people. God has revealed his general will to us through the Bible, and we get to choose whether or not we will follow this will. And then we either receive the benefits or we face the consequences. Either way, there are repercussions. God's general will would include things like loving each other, showing kindness, not cheating on our spouses, telling the truth, not being abusive, treating each other with respect. These are all things that the Bible makes clear are God's will for us. We follow God's will and He will bless us in one way or another. We choose not to and we suffer the consequences. Broken marriages, lost trust, bitterness and anger, health problems, unwanted pregnancies, heartache. And, and these are things that you don't even have to pray about. You know, God, should I cheat on my wife or not? What's your will? What do you think it is, you dweeb? You don't need to ask God what his general will is. He's already told us. He's already revealed his will in those areas. The biggest issue that would fit God's general will is that every person individually come into a restored relationship with God that we apologize for the things we've done that have hurt him, that we accept his forgiveness, and that we invite him into our lives. God wants that for every single person, and for every married person too, as far as that goes. And you don't have to pray about this. You don't have to pray to find out if that's God's will for you. He's already said it is. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says that he does not want anyone to perish, so he's giving more time for everyone to repent. That's his general will, but he leaves a choice up to us. He makes it clear that he loves each one of us individually and that he wants us to know him personally. But he doesn't force it on us. He doesn't override our free will. And so ultimately, you and I decide if God's general will is going to be realized in our lives or if it isn't. Okay, so that's God's sovereign will and his general will. And there's really not a whole lot of confusion about those. But where there is some confusion is when it comes to what we're going to call God's specific will. 
Does God have a specific will for you? Does he have a plan that is for you and you alone? Does your life have meaning and purpose? Well, that's not exactly a new question. It was asked thousands of years ago. In fact, Jeremiah, back in the Old Testament in the Bible, asked in chapter 20, verse 18, Why was I born? Was it only to have trouble and sorrow, to end my life in disgrace? That's how Jeremiah felt. And there have probably been times in your life when you felt that way too. Was I born just to have a bunch of problems? Was I put on this planet just to have heartache and grief and stress? In Psalm 89 verse 47 it asks, Why did you create us? For nothing? In other words, does God have a plan for my life? Does he have a specific will for me? And the answer is yes. Yes, he does have a specific will for you. And you can know it. In Psalm 139, verse 16, it says, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 4, it says, The Lord has made everything for his own purposes. And in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, in the message paraphrase of the Bible, it says, It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. So God does have a specific will for you, and you can know it. Problem is, a lot of people struggle with discovering what that means. So I want to spend the rest of our time here discussing how we can discover God's specific will for our lives. After all, God's sovereign will is going to happen whether we want it to or not, and we really have no control over it. His general will is already revealed to us. If we're wondering what that is, we can simply pick up the Bible and start reading. But it's when it comes to his specific will for us individually that we have trouble understanding it. What is God's will for me as an individual that may not be his will for someone else? You see, I think we often get the idea that knowing God's will is impossible for us, that it's hidden from us, and we must constantly search for it while never finding it. Sometimes that's how we feel, but that's not the reality. You can know God's specific will for you. That's why the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. It wouldn't tell us to understand it unless we could actually understand it. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. You can, in your notes, you can underline the words, you will know, in that verse. We can know God's specific will for our lives. But how? That's a good question. So to answer it, let me just give you seven principles, which if you apply them, will go a long way in helping you understand God's will for your life. Tips for discovering God's will for you. Letter A. Commit yourself completely to the transforming work of God. Now we just read Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Did you notice in that verse what it says is the prerequisite to knowing God's will? Let's take another look. We'll look at part of the verse. It says, Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do. Circle the word, then. Then you will know what the Lord wants you to do. So what's the prerequisite to knowing God's will? Well, it says in that verse that we need to be transformed 
We need to be transformed by the power of God. And you know what? God wants to transform your life. He wants to purify you and to cleanse you from all sin and all traces of evil and remake you in the image of His Son. But will you let Him? Again, He's not going to force Himself on you. You have to make the decision for yourself to allow Him to do His work in your life. So commit yourself to that work. Commit yourself completely to the transforming work of God. Letter B. Second tip for discovering God's will for you. Obey God's general will. You see, you can't know God's specific will for you unless you obey His general will. Jesus said to His disciples in John chapter 13, verse 17, You know these things, now do them. That is the path of blessing. Now in that verse, Jesus was specifically talking to His disciples about the example that He had set for them. But I think that what he said would apply to all of Scripture. You know these things, now do them. In fact, James wrote in chapter 4, verse 17, Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do, and then not do it. And let me add this. God's specific will for you will never contradict His general will. If you find a conflict between what the Bible says for you to do and what you believe God is saying to you specifically, then you're not hearing Him correctly. Because what he tells you personally will never contradict what he has already told us in his word. Letter C. Get close to God. If you want to know his will for you, get close to God. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 says, For everything, absolutely everything, everything that started in him and finds its purpose in him. Consider this. What are the differences between a casual relationship and an intimate relationship between an acquaintance and a friendship. Well, in a casual relationship, you really don't get to know each other very well. You never really get below the surface and the relationship has no real impact in your life. But in, in an intimate relationship, you look forward to spending time together. In fact, if you don't have the time to spend together, you make the time to spend together. And your conversations go way beyond the weather. And I think one of the biggest differences is that you begin to develop an intuition about that person's likes and dislikes, what they want and what they don't want. You can finish their sentences. You can even start to know what they're thinking without them telling you. You can understand their body language. You start to intuitively know them. Shara and I have been married for almost eight years now. And you know, when we got married, I thought I knew her pretty well. I thought I had done my homework. But I can assure you that after eight years, I know her a lot better now. I knew her fairly well when we got married. But I know her a lot better now. I know her preferences. I can tell how she's feeling. We communicate. I know her heart. I even know the look that says, leave me alone, or there will be suffering, or Greg, you're embarrassing me again. And when I don't recognize it, that sharp pain in my shin helps me to see it. But as we get closer, I'm getting to know her better all the time. And if you want to know God's specific will for your life, then you need to get close to Him. Spend time reading about Him in the Bible. Spend time praying to Him. Spend time in silence before Him, allowing Him to speak to you. Learn His likes and dislikes. Become intimate with Him. In the passage that we read earlier in our worship celebration, we saw how Jesus described Himself as a shepherd and described his followers as his sheep. 
He said in John chapter 10, verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Underline that phrase, they know me. Jesus also described how a shepherd interacts with his sheep. In verse 4 of that chapter, he said, After the shepherd has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they recognize his voice. You can underline the phrase, recognize his voice. So what he's saying here is that we've got to get so close to God that we can recognize his voice, that we know him. And then you can recognize where and how he's leading you. You need to get to know him if you really want to know his will. Letter D, if you want to learn what God's will is for you specifically, examine how he has made you. Examine how he has made you. If God has a specific task for you, and he does, then he has also given you the gifts and abilities to accomplish it. He wouldn't call you to do something without equipping you to actually accomplish it. We already read in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, where it tells us that it is possible to know God's will. Well, Romans chapter 12 continues and goes on to talk about the special abilities that God has given you. Romans chapter 12, verses 5 and 6, it says we are all parts of his one body, and each of us has different work to do. God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. That's what Paul had to say about how your giftedness is connected to God's will for you. Peter also addressed this when he wrote in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, God has given gifts to each of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. So you need to, to examine how he has made you. Check to see what gifts and abilities you have and what passions you have because they can give you great insight into what God's will is for your life. Letter E, listen for his direction. Tim Hansel is an author who wrote a book called When I Relax, I Feel Guilty. And in that book, he, he writes this. He writes, An American Indian was in downtown New York walking with his friend who lived in New York City. Suddenly, he said, I hear a cricket. Oh, you're crazy, his friend replied. No, I hear a cricket. I do. I'm sure of it. It's the noon hour. There are people bustling around, cars honking, taxis squealing, noises from the city. I'm sure you can't hear it. I'm sure I do. He, he listened attentively and then walked to the corner across the street, looked all around. Finally, on the corner, he found a shrub and a large cement planter. He dug beneath the leaves and found a cricket. His friend was astounded, but the Cherokee said, no, my ears are no different than yours. It simply depends on what you're listening to. Here, let me show you. He reached into his pocket and pulled out a handful of change, a few quarters, some nickels and pennies, and he dropped it on the concrete. Every head within a block turned. You see what I mean, he said as he began picking up his coins. It all depends on what you are listening for. What are you lis listening for? Are you listening for God's voice? Are your ears tuned into God's will? Consider Samuel in the Old Testament. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, you can read about how while Samuel was still a young boy, God spoke to him and called him. Samuel didn't actually recognize his, vo his voice at first and didn't know where the voice was coming from. But when he realized that it was God speaking to him, he simply said, Okay, God, talk to me. I'm listening. Well, how about Elijah? In 1 Kings chapter 19, 
We read about how he was standing on a mountain waiting to hear from God. The mountain was hit by a windstorm, but God wasn't in the wind. Then the mountain was caught up in an earthquake, but God wasn't in the quake. And that was followed by a raging fire, but God wasn't in the fire. But then he heard it, the still, small voice of God speaking to him. And as Elijah listened, God explained to him what he wanted him to do. Here's what it says in the book of Psalms, in chapter 95, verses 6 and 7. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker, for He is our God. We are the people He watches over, the sheep under His care. Oh, that you would listen to His voice today. If you want to know His will for your life, then listen. Letter F, start obeying His will, even if you don't know it all. There's an old saying that tells us a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Or as you parents might say, a journey of a thousand miles begins with the kids hollering, are we there yet? But you know, often when you step out in obedience to God, you really have no idea where you're going to end up. The journey of a thousand miles does begin with a single step, and you may not know where it's going to end. But you simply have to step out in faith. You simply obey Him and follow Him, and you trust Him to reveal more to you as you need it. Abraham did that. If you read about him in the book of Genesis in the Old Testament, you'll discover that God called Abraham to leave his homeland and his family and to follow him. But God didn't tell Abraham where they were going. He basically told Abraham, trust me and follow me, and you'll be glad you did. Let me show it to you in Genesis chapter 12, where we read about Abraham, also called Abram. It says, so the Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. Didn't know where he'd end up, but Abraham trusted God and followed him anyway. Or think about it like this. Picture yourself driving down the highway on a dark, rainy night. You've got your headlights on, and your eyes are focused straight ahead on the road ahead, but you can only see so far. So what do you do? Do you pull over and stop until you can see farther down the road? No, you just begin to move as far as you can see. And then an amazing thing happens. The light moves too. And suddenly you can see the next section of the road. And then the next, all the way to your destination. The Bible talks about this in Psalm 119, verse 105, where it says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. So start obeying his will even if you don't know it all, even if you don't know the destination, start obeying as far as you can see. And letter G, start obeying His will even if you don't understand it all. Obey His will even if you don't know it all and even if you don't understand it all. What if you know God's will but you don't understand it? I mean, we tend to want 100% understanding and certainty of what God's will is for us, especially if we're facing a life-changing decision. But the truth is that God rarely works like that. Did Joshua know how the walls of Jericho were going to crumble? No, but he marched around the city anyway. Did Gideon fully grasp how with only 300 men he could overcome the entire Midianite army? No, he had his doubts, but he still followed God's instructions. He still obeyed, and he saw God come through for him. 
Did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego know how God would deliver them from the blazing furnace that King Nebuchadnezzar was going to have them thrown into? No, but they were obedient, and God saved them. The Bible is full of stories of people who knew only a little piece of God's will and understood even less, but were still obedient. And every time, God was faithful and came through. So don't wait until you know God's entire will for you and have complete understanding before you begin to obey Him, because that time will never come. In Isaiah chapter 55, God says, My thoughts are completely different from yours, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will direct your paths. So basically this morning, I'm saying that there's good news. You can know God's will for your life. He's not going to require you to follow His will and then hide His will from you. He wants you to know it. He wants you to know it even more than you want to know it. But at the same time, you won't find out what it is without seeking it. So eagerly desire to know God's will for your life. Seek it out and you will find it.